Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I thank the Lord for um, <clears throat> all of you being in the house of the Lord. I appreciate um, the, your faithfulness, and I know we are fastly approaching summer, and today was an absolute beautiful day, and I'm sure there are hundreds of thousands of things you could be doing besides being in the house of the Lord, and yet what a privilege it is to be able to be together, be in his presence, be in his house, and I appreciate all of you that are online and those of you that are here. We are, in fact, growing legacy, and uh, I'm going to be talking about transformed thinking. I spoke, um, uh, was, uh, took Brother Richard in after, uh, I think, Monday or Tuesday and was uh, spending some time trying and encourage him. I know he's got his hand now. He's got a screw in his hand and it wasn't healing. And, and um, I, I know it's easy to get your thoughts um, feeling overwhelmed and feeling like, you know, it's one thing after another and boy, I'm being hit and inundated and uh, all of the above. And so I um, <clears throat> was talking to him and he was at our Monday night uh, Bible study and we were looking in the word of the Lord and, and um, uh, <clears throat> about uh, becoming like him and then growing in God. Monday night we were talking about some of the verses where it goes from infants to young men to fathers and how there is a maturing in our thinking that is supposed to take place. And uh, Obviously a baby cannot think about um, their parents. They don't consider anybody else. Uh, a young person maybe is developing some of that, but they, they don't um, have a full ability to consider some of the consequences. That's why uh, society will say we don't allow you to make certain decisions such as whether or not you should drink or whether or not you should uh, you know, uh, buy a gun or whether or not you should uh, do certain things at a certain age. And there's a, a push to raise that age, which is why most of America, I believe Americans, if they have any sense at all, are saying, how can you let a six-year-old or an eight-year-old try to determine something long-term like gender and, and transform that or some other issues when we don't believe they have the uh, gravitas, if you want to use that word, or the, the understanding, the full ability to recognize how the consequences of such a decision would be. In fact, you know, amazingly, I, I remember... Uh, many, many years ago and um, uh, was uh, in a courtroom um, 
uh, not for myself, believe it or not, but to be a witness to uh, for someone else that was uh, had asked me to go and and be a witness for him, and uh, the not the case that I was witnessing, but there was a a young couple that um, <clears throat> were in front of the judge. And the boy was, I think, 16 or 17, and the girl was 15 or 16, and and uh, the judge was giving them a lecture on, you're not of legal age. You cannot get married. I won't marry you. It's illegal for you to get married. You've got to have your parents. You've got to have your parents. And he was going down the line. And he said, I've left home. I don't live with my mom and dad. He said, I don't care where, how, where you live. I don't care if the fact that you're working, you, what is your date of birth? And he just was going through it again. And I understand. And uh, ironically, when Caitlin, who graduated high school at 17 and she finished her undergraduate um, work in two and a half years and she was going to graduate school and she was not yet 21. She was uh, barely uh, 19 and a half or whatever it was or maybe uh, just turned 20. And uh, <clears throat> the um, admissions director said, I've got a check because I'm not sure if this contract that you sign goes, is valid at 18 or if it's 21. We haven't had anybody under 21. And I went and checked and said, no, it's okay. You can sign it. It's a, you know, a legal binding document, but you have to be uh, at least 18. So, uh, and yet they will say, well, we will allow these other things that you can do at a young age and, and even go as far as to not informing the parents. And so there's a lot of, uh, I, I feel, sense of, of just how ridiculous and far we've come and you realize the spirit that is behind all of that. And yet we want to recognize that maybe as a young adult going into adulthood in maturity that there's got to be a transformation in our thinking and I've mentioned Sunday morning and Sunday night and read uh, several verses about being uh, having his thoughts in your thoughts and having his words in your words and having uh, who you associate with and who, who you are in the presence of and how important that was in this transformation, how important it was in this whole sense of uh, tr transforming our formative power of the Lord. And so um, this sort of uh, just really focuses on transforming our thoughts and how to do that, how to transform our thoughts because it doesn't just happen at one time. It's not just one moment and it's over with. And I think we would have to be real and say that we have observed that in our nation when we would look at some of us who are old enough to remember, uh, you know, 
the, the way we thought about things as a nation, the way we thought about things as a country, the way we thought about things as parents, and then we see our whole thought process is changing in the U.S. and around the world. And we would at times say, I, well, that'll never happen. They'll never change their mind about that. And we laugh and we think, oh, that, that thought, that'll never happen. And, you know, things are, we're laughed about and joked about, and yet here, uh, unfortunately, it, it, we're seeing the, the fruition of that today and in so many different areas. And yet uh, Paul, who wrote almost 2,000 years ago, really talked about what was going on in that society with the Romans, with uh, those in Corinth and the Greek cities, those that were in Asia Minor and Ephesus and in, in uh, Thessalonica and Laodicea and some of those different cities that had churches. And he wrote letters back to some of those. John, of course, wrote to Laodicea uh, and Thyatira and others. But the point of it is they wrote to these uh, new converts, if you will, about what, uh, how they needed to transform their mind, transform their thinking. And uh, we'll look <coughs> at some of that tonight and uh, uh, realize that it's a template for where we are now. Romans 8th chapter, and I read all of this Sunday night, and I'm just going to uh, look at a few verses, but it says there's no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are up after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so there is the, a mindset in Romans, the 12th chapter. We could almost, many of you know this by heart, when he said, I beg you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? by the renewing of your mind, your thoughts, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God so that you will know what God wants. And so when you stop and think, you know, it is important. What would God want? And I understand we can come up with the, the Bible is very clear. Our, our heart, our mind is, is amazing. And I know, um, you know, it, it's, um, it, they say, you know, you're not going to be able to duplicate it, but yet they're working on what they call AI, artificial intelligence, trying to figure out a way to duplicate this. But our mind is amazing, and it's got a great argument. 
to fight every kind of argument that you have in the spirit. Your mind can talk you down, talk you up, talk you. That's why it's got to be careful what you talk about or say. Because you can talk yourself. And I, and I have said many years ago, I, I said, you know, you can pray yourself into depression. You say, what do you mean? Oh, God, I don't understand why you would be leave me here. I don't get why you have not healed. I don't understand. I'm doing my best, and oh, God. Huh? And the more you pray like that and whine like that, and you don't praise the Lord, you don't worship the Lord, you're not thankful, you're not... You're not worshiping him. You don't have anything to say about him. It's all about you. <laughs> you can pray for 30 minutes and get up and feel worse when, when you, before you knelt down. And so that's why we have to be uh, cognizant of what I say, how I pray, what I do. And you say, well, pastor, are you saying that prayer is bad? No, prayer is wonderful if you are Praying correctly. And Second uh, Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 5th and 6th verses, we'll read some the 3rd through the 5th verses later on in this lesson, but it's a casting down imaginations. And man, you know, right now our mind, you know, it, it's with all the stuff that's on the internet and the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every what? Thought to the obedience of Christ. And so if you're thinking about, oh, I just wish I could have the, I just wish, yeah, are those thoughts obedient? following the obedience of Christ? If not, the, I got to get a hold of them. Because of the flesh, it's not getting anything spiritual. So it's okay to pray, Lord, is this a thought that you want me to have? Is you want me to think about that? Because there's, a, there's places in the Bible, and I know you know where you all are here on Wednesday night, but where the Lord was very very specific. Take no thought what you eat, drink, wear. Huh? Doesn't your heavenly father know you have need of those things? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Uh, you're not even supposed to be thinking about that. You say, but are you saying that you live in la-la land? No, I'm saying that you are a citizen of heaven. And when you worship and pray, you say, Lord, you know what I have need of. I'm, I'm coming to you. And to the church of Galatia, to, he wrote the book Galatians, and it's a, a book about the law and spirit. And, and he says, this I say then, walk in the spirit, in the fifth chapter. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit or wars against the spirit. So you need to be aware of that. Your spirit, the Holy Ghost 
and the flesh are in a battle. So if you don't feed the Holy Ghost, if you don't strengthen it by giving it some word, if you don't pray through in the Spirit, and then you wonder why your flesh is always conquering the Spirit, We say, well, pastor, the Holy Ghost should be more powerful. That's right. That's why he said, eat the tree of life. Get in him. Take on his image. Take on his likeness. He said, they war in the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another. And you cannot do the things that you would, but if you be led of the spirit. Everybody said, led of the spirit. You are not under the law. You know why? Because if you were being led of the Spirit, you wouldn't do anything that would violate the law. You know, I I know people use that and go, well, we're not under the law, we're under grace. But you don't understand what he was saying is, you've got a higher law, the law of being led of God, led of the Spirit. And then he goes through the list, the works of the flesh. And could spend, teach on those. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, hatred, variance. I mean, he goes through them. He said, those that do them will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes into the fruit of the spirit, which is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And then he says, against such there is no law. What are you saying? That if you, if you are kind and loving and joyful and long-suffering and gentle, who's going to say there's anything you've done that's wrong? No law can touch that. That has to come through the Spirit. And this is where people get, they misunderstand. We are not doing these things to get saved or to get, say we're better than anybody else. We are trying to do these things to be led of the Spirit. There's... If you're nice and you're kind and you're long-suffering and you're, you always have peaceful attitude and joy, that's not enough to get you connected to Almighty God if you've never repented of your sin. You, you understand? And this is where people, you know, will say, well, I'm going to try to just do good And what happens is it always falls through the cracks. Because if you don't have a relationship with God, you cannot maintain that. Somebody's going to cross your path. He said, they that are Christ have done what? Crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. It's not about what I can't do. And this is where the maturity level, 
most of our children or grandchildren have asked at some point, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that? What's wrong with this? And you see adults that are still stuck in teenage mode. Are you saying this is going to send me to hell? Are you telling me? And I'm like, just by asking the question, I know how old you are. Okay? What I can tell you is, are you really following the Spirit? Are you talking to God about it? Are you praying through about it? Are you reading your word about it? Said, so, well, I, I don't feel bad. I, I didn't ask you about your feelings. I'm talking about are you being led by the Spirit? <clears throat> are you keeping in step? Are you growing the fruit of the Spirit? Are you avoiding the sins of the flesh? So, you can go on and on. First Corinthians, the second chapter, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, which had a lot of problems, a lot of fighting, a lot of inner turmoil. Notice that he said some very powerful things. He says, God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save what? the spirit of man which is in him. In other words, you can fool yourself, but you can't fool the, fool the Holy Ghost. If you really want to know, is it come up from being a worshiper full of the Holy Ghost and then say, what do you think God wants me to do about? And you'll be, ah, uh, Huh? I think I can handle it. If you haven't prayed through in a while, you can't. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So in other words, you, if someone is not Worshiping, praying, talking to the Lord, consistent in their relationship with God, the house of God, the church, the body. And the reason I say all of that, because that's all what Jesus was about. I'm in you, you're in me, we're one. And then if you're saying, well, I, I want to know what the Lord wants. I have, I have used an example of, you know, it would be like me getting online and buying an airplane ticket to New York and packing my bags, driving to Columbus, parking the car, check in the gate, waiting for them to board, and I say, now, Lord, do you want me to go or not? If not, just tell me. Well, what do you want me to do? Crash the plane as it comes in? What? You want the pilot to get violently ill? What, what are you asking for? If I haven't prayed about this and talked to God, huh? And I've made my own mind up all the way through. And I, you know, I've had, 
I've had people pull the guard card on me, and I, I, it's always fun to hear the God card. Pastor, I prayed about this, and I think God wants me to act, 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 act. What do you think? Bless your heart. If God's already approved it, let me shake your hand. I'm not going to step in the way of God. No, I really want to know what you think. I know what God said. I'm sorry. Four aces doesn't trump the God card. A royal flush doesn't beat God card. You know, I'll be glad to tell you if you, before you reach the God card, it's always fun. And now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things we speak, not in the words of man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And then he says something very powerful. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And, and God has repeatedly done that. Meaning, you know, take a, a man that's holding a staff up and that's how the battle goes. Well, the, how, what is the connection between that staff being in the air and them winning the battle? Marching around a city, city and the walls fall. Telling a blind man to go wash his eyes. I, what a, God uses things that you would go, well, how does that connect? He chooses the foolish things. The thing, you know, and sometimes when you're praying and you're travailing and all of a sudden the Lord, you feel like the Lord said, get up and walk outside and pray around your house. Well, that's just stupid. That might be the very thing God wants to you. If you got that in the spirit, follow it. Well, where in the Bible does it say walk around your house? I, I'm not talking about violating God's word or principles, but the fact is that you have to be open to the mind of the spirit because who knows what the Lord's going to say. Sometimes he'll use something that's just you think, I don't know how this is going to work out. I, anyway, they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. They are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is not judged of no man. What does he mean by that? It means that if you are spiritual, and, and, and you all are here on a Wednesday night, and you, you all know what I, you have an understanding about some of this in the Word, but there have been times, I'm sure, every one of us 
have just had something in our spirit and it doesn't click. Somebody says something and you go, "Uh, huh? Something in your spirit's just not, that's the Holy Ghost. Colossians. He said, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your love on those things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall appear with him in glory. And and then he, he mortify or kill those things in your members that are on the earth. And he goes through the list. Again, another list to another church. He said, for the which sake, or for those things sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. <clears throat> in which you walked and you lived in them, but now put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing we put off the old man and his deeds and have put on the new man. I, I want to tell you something. We have a filthy talking world. And you say, well, I, I, it's like, And it should jar your spirit. If you, I know you can't necessarily, if you're working around them and they're dropping all kind of bombs and words and this and that. And I know sometimes you can't get away from it, but it ought to jar your spirit. Start praying for them. I don't mean out loud in front of them, but start praying for them. God, let me be a lighthouse. Let me... Why? Because we're living in an hour in this flesh. And he said, you have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Knowledge, that's knowing after the image of him that created him. And there's not Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. But Christ is all and in all put on, therefore, and he goes through the things to put on. Kindness, humbleness, bowels of mercy, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel, even as Christ forgave you, so do you. Put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfect perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called into one body and be ye thankful. What are you saying? You've got to realign your thoughts, your mind. Lord, I'm thankful. Lord, you've been good. Lord, you're kind. Huh? Because if you don't, you are going to overwhelm yourself. And you have to choose that. And I mentioned to the class on Monday night about Daniel, but another example was you say, well, I'm the only one who has to do that. I've got to fight. Moses, young man, grew up Pharaoh's household, and yet the Bible says, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions of the people of God. 
What are you saying? You have to make a choice. I'm either going to live this way or I'm going to live another way. I'm going to change the way I'm living. I'm going to change the way I'm thinking. I'm going to change the way I'm acting. It's not about, well, will God forgive me? Of course God will forgive you, but you still ought to want to change it to be like him, to walk in the Spirit, to be led in the Spirit. Why would you want to suffer the wrath of God? It said, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now Moses didn't know about Christ. He had been living in the desert. All he knew is God was going to take him and bring him back out through the desert. And yet he had faith that God had a reward for the children of Israel and to get them out of Egypt. How much more we who have the Bible, Moses wrote the first five books. We who have this, we who've read the miracles, we who've seen it, we who know revelation at the end, we're the ones that ought to be able to say, you know what? There's a great day coming. Man, won't we have a time when we get over yonder, we'll sing and shout and dance about when we get over yonder. Moses was like, he, he didn't, wasn't talking about going to heaven. He's talking about going back through the desert, going up to Canaan and having to fight. He didn't see, you know, one of these days we're going to heaven. And so when you look at this, he was, by faith, he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, the Bible says, for he endured how? As seeing him who is invisible. If you keep your eyes on everything going on around you, you are going to get worn out. You'll get overwhelmed because you're going to feel like What's going on in our world? What's going on in our, what's going on? What, I can't, it's overwhelming, it's overwhelming, it's overwhelming. Keep your eyes on the invisible. Lord, we know you're coming. And I, I read on Monday night to our class, Daniel, the Bible says, portioned, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat or the wine that he drank. And, and, and the only thing you can maybe say is because that was offered to a god or an idol, maybe, but yet Daniel had been taken captive there. He had to learn the Chaldean language. He had to go through and dress like them and live like them and act like them and live in the palace like them. And yet he had a line, I, I would like not to eat the meat. I don't want to defile myself. And so he went to, you know, the, the uh, eunuchs, the centurions, the wasn't centurions, it was Babylonian uh, soldiers that were guarding him and ask, please let me not do that. I want to tell you something. At some point, 
and Daniel didn't have the Holy Ghost, but at some point the Holy Ghost is supposed to kind of tell us, you know what, I don't need to listen to that. I don't need to watch that. I don't need to go there. I'm sorry. I don't need to, huh? And if it's not doing it, then you're not stirring the Holy Ghost up. And it's not the point of, well, I know, I really don't feel like it, but you know what, so-and-so does it, and they're okay, and this one does it, and I saw them do it. Hello? That can't be, I can't do it by consensus. I have to be led of the Spirit. No. You know, you were taught this way. You were raised this way. I know, but that's not important. Well, here we are. Philippians, you know, you you can say, well, nobody else is doing it. We're way up here in, in Babylon. All of our family is down in Egypt. I mean, in Canaan, they were all, the cities were overthrown. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm okay. They're okay. We're, I'm just... That's not what Daniel thought. He felt an urging. I don't want to eat the king's meat. Guess what? He later didn't become king's meat for the tigers, lions. So, you know, Philippians, though I might have confidence, what was Paul saying? Paul was saying, and you read what he said. He said, I am a Pharisee. I am a guy that kept the law. I know how to do it. I know how to tithe on mint. I know how to tithe on anise. I know the rigidity. Of, you get up, you read it. I know how to sweep behind me so nobody sweep in front of me and behind me so I don't step where a Gentile step. I know how to be good. And he said, if anybody ought to have confidence in their flesh or trust the flesh, I should more. Yea, doubtless I count all of that as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ our Lord in whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ and be found in him. In him. And I could get in Christ. Romans, the sixth chapter. Liken yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law but under grace. What shall we say then? Shall we sin? What what then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. He repeats it almost I verbatim in Galatians. He, tread, he tells us, he said, don't walk like the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind, 
having your understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work uncleanness with greediness. He told the Corinthians, the God of this world tries to blind the mind of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel. And so, you know, when, when somebody says, well, I don't, I, it's hard for me, I can't see it, I don't know, I, I'm here to tell you that's the whole trick of the enemy. When Paul opened the book of Romans, he said that they would not retain God in their knowledge. God turned them over to a reprobate mind. He told Timothy, if any man teach otherwise, he said, consent not to wholesome words and the words of our Lord to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud. Everybody say proud. proud. Knowing nothing. Doting about questions and strifes of words whereof come envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. So this is not a new thing. Colossians, he told them, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and the worship of angels, intruding onto those things which you've not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. People that have such a great revelation. Not and not holding the head, not being part of the body. Notice that in Colossians. He said, I don't care how much somebody may know the Bible, say they know the Bible, have great revelation, but if they don't hold on to the body, not holding on to the head, you say, well, uh, we're all part of the body, we're all, but the body that the joints and those that are nourished, those that are knit together, that's why we talked about unity and the importance of all of that. Because let me tell you, it's not enough just that I've had great revelation and I'm not part of the body. Not part of the, how to knit together and minister, pray for one another. People come up here, you know, and you, we see some of these that have come for prayer. People come out and pray. I know not everybody can make it. I get it, but you know, there's something about taking a prayer slip and praying for them. Are you doing that? Are you part of the body? Or is it just about, well, you know, praise God. I, I know another prayer request, my Lord. This is part of who it is for us to be knit together. Ephesians, the second chapter, you are the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You used to work, walk like everybody else. Now, in the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were dead in sins. Christ saved us. By grace are you saved, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding richness of his grace and kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. 
I'm telling you, every one of us in here, and I know all of you feel this way on a Wednesday night, ought to be so thankful that God dug you out, saved yourself, that filled you with his spirit, that you got a revelation of who it was, that you were able to figure out to be part of the body. What a privilege! It's not of us, it's the gift of God. Not of works. But we are his workmanship, created in Christ unto good works. The good works have to come from being in Christ. I know people want to look at the church and go, well, you need to have a, a homeless shelter program and you need to have a, this program and you need to have that. And I would love to have all of those things is finding the time and people and the energy and those that are willing to do and work. But I want to tell you something. I want him to do it through the presence of Almighty God. I told Sister Denise years ago when we sat, got ready to start Acts, I said, the one thing is I want the focus of all of this to be that it's part of the in Christ. That we have the presence of God. Because if we don't have that, we have nothing. It's not bad to have a good program. It's not bad to have a good whatever. But we want it to be through Christ. And then he goes in 2 Peter. Simon wrote about adding, giving all diligence, adding to your faith. And he goes through those words. And last slide, he basically says, they're going to make you to abound. For if these things be in you, you shall abound and make you neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I told you I was going to read you those couple of verses, third and fifth, fourth and fifth verses again. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Believe that or not. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where are those strongholds? Casting down imaginations and every high thing. I want to tell you something, and that's, you see, if there was ever a moment that the enemy could get our, change our mind, impact our mind, our thoughts, I don't understand this. I don't know, you know what? I don't, there's a whole lot I don't understand, but what I do understand is God is good, God is faithful. God is merciful. God is kind. God's been good to me. I can't do anything but praise him. Hallelujah. It's good to have all of you here. Let's stand.